and I have a contract for Tegan and Sarah, right. you know, sure f- to play the townhouse. And then the agent calls me and says, uh, we got a spot on Letterman. I'm sorry. We can't, <laughs> we can't play. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cloud Machine Podcast. My name is Matt Landry. And in this 30th episode, I'm here with Paul Lowenberg. Hey. <laughs> Throughout this podcast, we discuss Paul's origin story and journey as one of Sudbury, Ontario's cultural pioneers and ambassadors. We chat about the Northern Lights Festival Boreal, the Townhouse, CKLU, and much, much more. We also play Dream Fest. Stick around, and thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cloud Machine Podcast. We're on the road. We're in Shoe Swap. Um, I, I don't know if, if we're at Shoe Swap or Shoe Swap Campground. Shoe, uh, shoe Swap on the Nipissing. There you go. Shoe Swap Camp. Officially. Um, yeah, officially. It's a, uh, a Haida word for shimmering waters. Whoa. Uh, this was a logging camp uh, 80 years ago, 100 years ago. And uh, there was a number of workers here from uh, from British Columbia, from British Columbia interior, who said, uh, oh, this reminds us of, of our uh, home in British Columbia, Shuswap Lake. Uh, so the name kind of stuck is Shoe Swap Camp. That's right. Even yeah. coming here, <laughs> I entered Shoe Swap, and it, it told me it was going to take me three and a half days to drive to Shoe Swap because it was it was inputting the BC location. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> but anyway, so for those who are new to the podcast, Cloud Machine is about the music industry and its stakeholders, meaning everybody that works in it, lives it, loves it, surrounds it. Uh, even these cats here that you'll probably see throughout the episode are, are, are part of the music industry. Uh, whether you're someone that's dreaming about making a move uh, in the business, uh, have some songs recorded and don't know what to do with them, or just a listener that wants to learn more, you're at the right place. This week, I have the immense pleasure of welcoming Pilo, Paul Lowenberg, to the podcast. And a little short story here for you. So from attending the Northern Lights Festival as a kid and seeing the man in the hat to having to Facebook message Paul to ask him if my band could play at the townhouse or to just seeing him walk through various festival grounds with his tools, uh, that being like hammer or saw or his tools as uh, his instruments in hand. Uh, I've known Paul through uh, all these many roles. So many know him as a pioneer, yes, ambassador and continuous pusher of the cultural scene in Sudbury. And uh, some of those same people have asked me to have Paul in the podcast since we started uh, the journey of the Cloud Machine podcast. In January. So um, there you go. And so today, here to learn a little bit more about Paul and uh, sort of talk about uh, his journey throughout the the scene. I've I've known you your entire life. There you go. Yeah. yeah, You don't don't remember being a (laughs) baby in arms, but... Yes, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I've known your your parents since since day one. That's right. And they say hello, by the way. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Good, of course. Yeah. So how how are you? How how is how has life been? Uh, well, uh, the the world pu- pulled a kind of uh, twist on us in March of 2020. Yeah. Um, and uh, at the same time, um, my father uh, was getting uh, uh, very el- elderly and ill, and um, so we we moved out here to West Nipissing after. Uh, I'd been in Sudbury for 20, uh, 31 years at that point. Um, and uh, we uh, we moved out here to take care of my father. Yeah. Who, he passed last year now. and and uh, But we're co-owners of this, uh, you know, tourism resort. And, and 
Uh, and yeah, the world threw a wrench into into the plans. I was planning on just being a music promoter and <laughs> and, and that for uh, for the rest of my life. And and uh, uh, that uh, that changed when there was nothing open, and yeah. so we had to look for for another you know another way to. This was something that comes up in people's lives anyways. Yeah, yeah that's and, right. And I think that pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, uh, we we lived in this bu- bubble world. It was a wonderful bubble world that we were in since basically 1991, the summer of 91. Um, uh, I can put a real start date on there with Lollapalooza. And then a couple months later, Pearl Jam and Nirvana put out their first albums. And, and it changed as a, as a young university student then uh that's uh kind of everything changed there and yeah. and we we're like oh we could we could take what we were doing we were renting little playground shacks to put on you know little little punk rock shows and, <laughs> and stuff like that but suddenly everybody wanted to to hear music so we could do we could do anything and this at the same time uh the uh, the owners of the, the townhouse the Desjardins, uh, uh bernie sort of uh, found this way into uh, um, into a, a, a booking agent um, had call, had called him and said hey I, I, I hear you guys have uh, you know country and rock and roll bands on the weekends Would, can we have this band stop at, at your place they're called the corn dogs they're a country rock band and uh, Bernie said oh, okay sure sure have, the, have these guys stop by <laughs> And um, what he didn't know was that the Corn Dogs were they were on the Cowboy Junkies record label, Layton Records, um, and they had uh, hit records at the campus radio station. Yeah. So all of us who were volunteering at the campus radio station were like, "Oh my God, the Corn Dogs are playing at the townhouse!" So we all went to, went down there. All these people showed up and and uh, drank a bunch of beer and didn't fight and went home. <laughs> and uh, and that was kind of a, a revelation for downtown Sudbury downtown Sudbury was not a place where people went to listen to music uh have a couple of beers and then go home with smiles on their faces right downtown Sudbury uh in 1991 was a place where you sat with your back against the wall and and um and there was bound to be a fight that was going to break out that's right and it was a dangerous place it was it was a the place your parents told you not to go to well that's the thing right and when I started playing uh, in bars when I was 13, <laughs> uh, funny, funny thing. But, um, I told my grandparents and my, even my parents, well, my parents a little less, but my grandparents, oh yeah, my first shows at the townhouse, 13 years old. And yeah. they were sort of freaking out. Um, just in, the, in regards to, oh my gosh, you're going to downtown Sudbury. Yeah, you're playing you're, at the townhouse. Your, your dad was an older teenager playing at the townhouse. I, I agree. I agree. But these are my, these are my grand, uh, my mom's parents. Yeah. So didn't didn't I guess they didn't know that the sort of the reality of what the townhouse was now, yeah. But or a now in, of, in 2012, yeah. But but as you're saying, downtown Sudbury used to be rougher than what it is today. Yes, and and we were we were the start of the the change, right? Uh, of 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 pushing uh, Sudbury to become uh, it was it was a place where people went to you know um, went to con- consume art. Um, and everything around us changed over over the next 15 20 years right from from the townhouse then it spread to uh, a place called this ain't the only cafe 
and um, and then Rob opened up Respect Is Burning over on Durham Street. Yeah, and um, and then and from there, everything in between us filled in with galleries, the the GNO, the uh, uh, the you know the, the, the framing shop, the uh, and then tattoo places and book stores and right. books and beans and uh, the original you know version of books and beans and um, and the, uh, this ain't the only cafe became the Laughing Buddha and um, and 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 all of these places just sort of became this long strip of uh, uh, of the cultural community. Right. All gathering together, and people in City Hall knew it, knew what was going on as well, because any time they would bring people from uh, out of town around, they bring them to our places, right? And yeah. say, "This is the Cultural Revolution in Sudbury." Sure. So sure. this is the whole. Um, uh, 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 yeah, that that was the the cultural growth of of the city. We were described as you know, we became described as an economic engine. Right. But, uh, and you can play that game when you're talking to the politicians, but mostly uh, I was uh, sort of a, uh, like a, I don't know, I want to call it a sheep, a wolf in sheep's clothing or a a sheep in wolf's clothing. Sure. Because you you say that to the politicians that this is good for your your, cultural growth, this is good for the economic development of the community. Um, But mostly what I wanted to say was to young artists to go out and be a challenge to your community. Right. You know, and uh, uh, um, paint, you know, to the generation that came after me, you know, paint murals on all the walls, yeah, 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 and 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 write the most challenging music you can, and challenge your community uh, as as best as you can, because that's uh, well, that's what makes good makes for good art. Yeah, uh, is is to challenge the community, and not to be beholden to you know what's popular on the radio. Uh, we always tried to ride that line. Um, with programming at the Northern Lights Festival, programming at the Townhouse, with programming where, wherever we did it, right? Was um, yeah. Can we sell a few tickets? That'd be nice to sell a few tickets, but more importantly, are we going to make an impact uh, on on the arts community mm-hmm. by by doing this? And uh, and so many other people followed suit and pushed envelopes even further, right? Where yeah. where where yeah. Now we've got mural festivals and the. The uh, who was the uh, uh, the group that started the uh, the uh, all of the gigs in different different places? Uh, yeah, like we live up rock, here, or uh, between oh, a rock and a yeah, hard yeah, place. between a hard, rock yeah. and a hard place. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now we have we also have uh, the Genos like uh, yeah. art, art festival as well. Yeah, um, I, I I totally agree. And when you say economic development or bringing people to downtown Sudbury. Then I still think about it now. Still, bring, yeah. when when I'm bringing my friends from Toronto or whatever to Sudbury, I'm I'm yeah. I'm, I'm saying let's go to the uh, townhouse, Buddha, uh, Durham Street, um, check out up here or uh, all these things, yeah. um, or even go to the 
<laughs> vegan wonder of, yeah. of, of, of Sudbury with Cosmic Days, uh, you know, uh, Tuco's Tacos. Well, yeah, and Kathleen like, Street is a whole Kathleen, different exa- micro- yes. microcosm of, exactly. of, uh, uh, of, of this environment that yeah. Yeah, Mark and, and Jess have, have really given a gift to, uh, to Sudbury by yes, yeah. revitalizing yet another neighborhood. Yes, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and uh, uh, and it and it's great and that but that is part of and we were talking about this before the, the podcast started. It's part of a, a succession plan where um, it's my dream that okay, I did this for twenty eight years. Um, I gave Sudbury everything I had for 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 twenty eight years. Uh, well, th- I mean thirty years, including CKLU. And, yeah, and that and. Um, a, f- a family matter called me away. I had to go and take care of something else. Right. And the, and the hope is that other people are going to take that on their shoulders sure. to say, I'm going to put up posters on telephone poles. I'm going to have a weird record store. I'm going to have the, uh, a, a new arts festival and yeah. go and go even further than, right. than, but there has to be somebody who, who has that, who has that dream. And yeah. if, you know, I think the ultimate failure for me would be that if we walked away and nobody else right. can carry that. But I, th- I think when I, you know, in walking away, hopefully there's a lot of people who say, okay, now there's room for me to do something. Sure. Sure. And, yeah. You know, yeah, then, yeah. Yeah. You know, let's do it because I mean, that's all we ever wanted was for somebody to do it better than us. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Going. That's succession. Yeah. You talk about 30 years. Let's go back to the beginning here, yeah. talking about the origin story. You, you're um, right. originally from southern Sar- Ontario. Sarnia, Ontario. Yes, yeah. Yeah, my school years were in Sarnia, Ontario, and born in, born in Kitchener. Uh, okay. And then uh, my parents uh, split at a very young age, and so we moved to where my mother's parents were in Sarnia. They had immigrated from England, wound up in... Uh, wound up in Sarnia. My father's side of the family immigrated from Germany, wound up in Kitchener, where all the Germans were. Right. And uh, um, although, a, a quick aside, I found out now that you know, my father passed and I got his passport, that they weren't actually from Germany dr- directly. He's actually Ukrainian. The town, sure. the, the place, Lohenberg, Leuvenberg, the, the Lion's Mountain, overlooks the city of Lviv in Ukraine. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's where they're from. There was a German community there in a, a, a um, the country was called Galicia. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Half of it was in current day Poland, half of it was in current day Ukraine. Um, and that's where my family is from, is Galicia. We're, <laughs> we're Galicians. Sure. And, um, uh, but uh, yeah, I feel very different about, about Ukraine now. Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, feel you know tugging at my at my chest about this uh, thing that uh, is going on to uh, to what now I know is my people. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> across the world. But yeah. Anyway, Sarnia, um, and uh, starting out, uh, I, w- I was a kid. I got involved with this uh, with this youth group that was. Uh, um, we were. I mean, I always loved music because my parents liked music. They right. played, played Motown records in in the house. And were they? Would they also um, play play instruments as well? No, no musicians. Okay. No musicians. Um, I, my grandmother played a little bit of piano, but um, I I don't. She she played uh, uh, some light classical pieces. 
Right. Uh, nothing, nothing modern. Nothing. No, uh, no punk piano music. No, no, <laughs> no. I, I mean, and coming from from Sheffield in in uh, yeah in, in England, England uh, it wasn't even like. Um, I, I mean, what was popular in England in the twenties and thirties? You know, like they're they're not. She's not doing any George Formby covers. <laughs> sure, like sure, sure, sure. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> this is yeah. <laughs> but still, a lot of classical music then yeah, being was, played off of transcripts. Yes, mostly. Yeah, um, but I now the piano didn't come to our side of the family. Um, it went to uh, my mom's sister's side of the family. So so they got. The, my grandmother's piano right and, and we i i wanted to play a music instrument but we couldn't afford it so right picked up a guitar when i was 17 right because uh uh i because i was dating a girl whose dad played a guitar and, <laughs> cool. and yeah. he, he he said oh you're you're interested in this you, you know and and I his idea was you know, put a guitar in my hand and keep my hands off his daughter <laughs> Um, <laughs> okay, sure. And uh, that worked. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, left, uh, you know, I started playing guitar. I loved uh, um, all kinds of music because, uh, yeah, there was a, a, gr- a group that I was involved with. Uh, we took first aid lessons, St. John's Ambulance, and there was a bunch of, um, I got, a, I was getting a ride home. I'm like 13 years old. Uh was it 13? Yeah, but yeah, 13. Yeah. So there's 1982, early 83, um, probably. Uh, and uh, the one of the older uh, guys gives gives me and my friend a ride home. And in his car, he is listening to a radio station from Port here, from the college at Port here in Michigan uh, called WSGR from St. Clair College in Port Huron. And I hear um, the dead Kennedys kill the poor, and and I was like, "What is that? Sure, what is this music? <laughs> uh, uh, it it, it uh, you know awakened the beast within me, and yeah. and and I became obsessed with campus radio, community radio station, and um, and those early." Uh, the early records that I remember. And I would go out and buy these records later from like records on wheels, go, go, you know, uh, or, or hear it at the radio station and find a record in Toronto and, and that, and find these early uh, like Husker do and dead Kennedy's records. And, uh, and that, that I had all heard on this radio station right. uh, from, from Michigan. Uh, and, um, you know, I mean, Devo, um, sure, sure, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, f- the first, uh, the uh, the early Devo records, the early, uh, uh, oh, there was something else that I was, uh, 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 Oingo Boingo, be- before, yes, yeah, uh, um, be- before he goes and becomes the most prolific television uh, music composer in the, that's in the right, world. That's right. That's uh, right. So uh, is is this basically how you sort of. Did you look, so when you moved to Sudbury, did you look for a campus radio first? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I, sure. I applied for university based on, um, uh, Laurentian had the campus radio That's station right. in their guide. That's right. As this is something that you do with campus life. Right. Because Guelph, 
They've got a, a way more established radio station, but it wasn't even in their their guide. Right. CFRU was not in the Guelph, you know, campus life guide. Right. Um, applied to Brock, uh, and uh, they didn't have it. But uh, Laurentia University, there was right in their in their guide. CFLR campus radio. Right. I'm like, oh, I'm and they cared it. about it. They were and like, this is they, something that you got to check out, and yeah. this is what something you do as well yeah. as a student. So I walk into. Uh, uh, into the university in September 89. Uh, I move uh, move up to Sudbury and mm-hmm. come up in August, look for a place to live, come back in September. Uh, first thing that happens is there's a strike. Right. Fac- the faculty are on strike. So I'm like, well, what am I going to do now? So I walk into the radio station across at the, the portable AP1. Um, and uh, and I, I walk in and there's nobody there. It's just like a record spinning. And I'm looking around. And this is like, wow, is there nobody here? There's a room full of records, a room full of gear. And nobody's, somebody went, ran across to the washroom, put a 10-minute song on and ran across to the to the washroom. And, and I'm like, okay, this is confusing. So I, I left. And, I, and then I came back like a couple of days. Next time I was on campus, see, you know, if that was a Monday, then I came back on Thursday to check and see if the strike was still on. And, and, right. and, and so somebody was there at that time and I met, uh, uh, Carl and Mark and Ron and, and, uh, um, the volunteer coordinator wasn't there. So Carl trained me, Carl Jorgensen trained me on the, the gear. Right. Uh, and then I started doing a Thursday night radio show in 89 and, uh, did that for, the year and uh hey fry <laughs> uh did that for the year then i left uh i left sudbury for um the summer kind of thing for the, mm-hmm. yeah for the summer and well I, I left a little early because my uh my apartment flooded in um for, this is like first year first year wow. of university yeah uh and and then i found out that sudbury is this strange place dude <laughs> Um, that uh, every January gets a weird thaw. Like the, it, it goes up, it's it's minus 40, it's minus 40, it's minus 40. And then somewhere in the second week of January, it goes up to four degrees, plus four for three days. And um, uh, all this uh, uh, snow melted, there was massive snow melting and my apartment flooded. And well, I, I just, and my notebooks were on the floor and my binders were on the floor. Okay. It just ruined it. Five, sure. Five months of of uh, schoolwork, dude, stop. <laughs> and, and what program were you in? What had you applied to? What had you gotten into? It was a general direction? general arts. I okay. thought I thought I was going to apply for um, uh, for the English department. I yeah, I, I, I thought at the time that maybe I would be a journalist, right? Uh, which was you know um, to go along with my love of radio. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I left and. Uh, left Sudbury for a couple months and went to uh, Lake Louise, worked in the mountains, worked oh, yeah. worked the ski lift for uh, for the rest of the ski season and uh, uh, and then came back um, came came back to Sudbury for the next September and started university again and, and in first year again yeah. kind of thing? Okay, yeah, yeah well. Yeah. Um, and uh, and this time was was fine. I was more uh, emotionally uh, in, uh, uh, 
uh, ready, invested, yeah, emotionally invested yeah. in uh, being a student for a couple of years. So there you go. Uh, and then at that time, uh, we had also started uh, doing doing shows like uh, CFLR was doing was doing shows where we were bringing in bands from around and doing it at a hall at a sure um, Alder Hall was uh, was doing shows doing punk shows um we did one at uh it was a uh the, it, it was a comedy bar in the holiday inn downtown that had been closed down and we did a couple shows in there we did uh we did uh, we did a show at um science north oh yeah in the cavern terrible <laughs> yeah ter- terrible. Ter- ter- terrible idea terrible sound <laughs> yeah, yeah. um and uh yeah and a couple playground shacks and and that and uh carl was he was sort of spearheading that he brought in uh billy bragg to yeah Sud- wow. to sudbury in, in 1988 with um uh uh the opening band was uh uh, now I can't remember their original name, but they became Spear Spearhead. Michael Franti and Spearhead okay. opened for Billy Bragg in Sudbury in 1988. <laughs> um, <Okay>. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so I didn't even get to see that show. I saw Billy Bragg in Toronto the next the next year, right? Um, but uh, uh, yeah, and the uh, the Gruesomes uh, came through Sudbury at the time, mm-hmm. and then there was a couple local bands. Um, the Elvis Zombies and Indignant Kerr were the first local bands that uh, that I saw, and and uh, those guys were like actual just garage punk. Sure, bands. sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, was it the Corn yeah. Dogs show at the Townhouse that really changed everything for you, though? Uh, well, the Corn Dogs were they were the first out of town band that a booking agent. Sure brought through right so that opened the door then to to booking agents calling the townhouse and 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 then also uh, from from cflr um before it was before it became cklu um cflr we would we would call and say hey we got contacted by this band you know can we give them your phone your phone number right so we would help them present shows as well so we did like uh, bands like the the Rip Chords and the Wet Wet Spots and um, I'm trying to remember the early punk shows. Uh, yeah, that's that's that we great. Did at the townhouse set, uh, but at the time, so many people were going out to bars and so many people wanted that live music experience because Lollapalooza had been such a cultural phenomena and Nirvana, right, was such a cultural phenomena and and you know it had been building for a couple of years because REM had happened and REM was part of this this uh establishment of 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 this system of of college music college rock uh where you could go to any town in North America and play to 50 people right and then the next year you could go to any town and play to 100 people right and then you and then it, it, and it built built from there yes R- yeah. rem the replacements the pixies um, they were all part of this system starting in the mid 80s well and Husker Du and Black Flag and and that there are all these nationally touring acts who would go from town to town often with their own PA system mm-hmm. set up in a hall 
and you know, 50 punks would show up and then the next time 75 right. sell records, sell merch, all that stuff. Yeah. Selling. Yeah. Selling completely out of, uh, out of, out of, out of the van, uh, and, and by mail order. Yeah. Uh, because there's no, uh, there's no internet. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, the internet was still 10 years away. Sure. Sure. Um, and, uh, and they made it work and this system, you know, thankfully Sudbury, you know, got onto it right away with, uh, uh, with the townhouse and Bernie. Um, and so we started playing there. Um, we were at a, we were at a St. Patrick's day party in, uh, so I guess this is the same so March 17th, 1992. Yeah. And who was we, sorry. Uh, Rob Seaton, um, Glenn Turner, um, there are folks that worked at the that we were working at the radio station. Okay, them. okay, okay. And we would yeah, go yeah. out and see and see bands all the time. Sure. And we and and um and we're like, oh, this is so great. I, and Rob had uh, been playing in a band already um, called the Del Monte Halls, and um, and uh, he had like a kid uh, uh, garage punk band called Mass Confusion. So this, yeah. that would go back to like uh, 88, 89. Um, the Del Monte Halls were 90, 91, um, and then in 92, uh, Rob and I uh, started playing music together. Uh, we were called, for a moment, we were called the Vic Tabak Trio, which the, that was a, a TV actor. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you can Google it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then, uh, and and then we, we wrote our first batch of songs. And Alex, the drummer, um, Alex's mom said, "Wow, you guys are really bleak." <laughs> so we changed the name to Bleak. Uh, right. Sure. And uh, uh, and and we did a bunch of recordings. Uh, you can see us on around Bandcamp. Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I put up, uh, put up a couple of bleak records. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Twenty, I, tw- I think there's twenty nine songs on nice. on the Bandcamp that we put up for five bucks. So every once in a while, I have to call the guys and send them a dollar fifty six. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So when did when did it change for you then from from CKLU? Did you graduate and then you got into booking? Like what what's the so what's the journey from did was it CKLU then Townhouse then NLFB or was it what was that like sort of journey oh, from yeah um well from a Booker's perspective. So we're all doing shows at CK, at CKLU um yeah. but then we start a band. We start we start the band Bleak yeah. and um and I was uh um by not not by trade but by by luck my father had been a silk screener right he did uh he helped create the kitchener waterloo oktoberfest screen printed uh all of the banners that hung all, all over the city and, sure. and and stuff like that so i had a little bit of a knowledge of that world so when we started doing shows at the townhouse i would silk screen posters yeah hang them all over the city and and i was I really, I guess the first person to, to do that Yeah, yeah. in any kind of like, you know, just beyond putting up a poster at records on wheels. Sure. Um, uh, and, uh, the, the, the coffee shop, I forget the name of the coffee shop on, on Durham street at that time. Um, but, uh, so I, so I'd silkscreen 
the, these multicolored posters and, and hang them up all over the city. And in some cases, like shellacking them to, to posts sure. where they would be for three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, um, and, and Bernie uh, in 1993 said, wow, you guys do a really good job promoting your, your, your shows. Yeah. So why don't you come and do some, do some work for me and promote all my shows. Right. And, and I was like, yeah, yep. No problem. Sure. At all. And, uh, uh, so I started there in, uh, 93 pr- promoting all the shows. I, uh, go out every week and, and, uh, I would make all these, uh, uh, stickers that I would put on, on a, on a post or on like underneath drive through windows. So, uh, uh, and, uh, in every bathroom stall, um, and, uh, and we're doing, and we're do- and doing this for the townhouse and, um, th- and that's the only bar that I will work for because I, I, um, I don't want to, uh, uh, I, I don't want to have allegiances to, sure, to multiple, to multiple bars, yeah, but yeah. I would do all ages shows. So right. we're doing punk shows from not selling beer. Mm-hmm. We can do what do what we want. Yeah, at yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the Odd Fellows Hall, at Alder Hall, or at, at whatever. Um, but uh, so everywhere you went, ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, um, you'd see the townhouse name everywhere. And we right. and we promoted uh, like four or five shows a week and had acoustic stuff on the off nights. Right. And and we could we could do anything. Uh, at, at the time, it was it was amazing because people would just come out and say, "Oh, there's something going on in the townhouse." And they right. Didn't, they didn't ask any questions. They just said, "We're going." Right. Um, and uh, by the time, by about nineteen, the end of ninety four, beginning of ninety five, we were doing so many bands that um, that I started writing a fanzine. Right. Uh, for to to collect all of the bands for the for the month and it became the townhouse monthly calendar That's right. which yeah. ran for uh, uh nearly 300 months yeah so uh like the last i was still doing the calendar in march of 2020 I, and i have i have the template of the april 2020 calendar uh yeah. as well which we never got to even put out because <laughs> because the world closed down um but I did the calendar every month for wow. for twenty five years. Yeah, iconic for me anyway. Yeah, just seeing it online, seeing yeah. it on Facebook, even um, seeing it out in the streets, seeing it at the townhouse when you enter uh, uh, at the doors, you yeah. see it on the right. All these I got. Things. I got to. I got to admit. Now the the calendar, uh, the fanzine calendar. That was that was me. I put that together, and and I have to take credit. I'm going to take credit for that. Yeah. The checkerboard calendar yeah. box, I, I stole that. Okay, there you go. Yeah, there, there you was go. a there was a club in London yeah. that uh, I was uh, uh, perusing through called um, through. Uh, it, it wasn't called the Office. It was it was um, it was another club. The uh, oh, I forget who the the name of the 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 club, but they were they were coming up in the wake of of call the office who, who was the premier music venue in, in London. And, uh, we're at one of the record stores, um, playing, a, we're playing a gig down there and, and, um, and we go into Dr. Disc and, and I see this checkerboard calendar and I'm like, that's an amazing format for, right. for, for a band, for a, a list of bands. It's so clear. 
black and white. It's great. Put that in my pocket. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I started sure. doing that for the townhouse in, sure. yeah, 94, yeah. late 94, and, and, uh, and, and kept it up. Until for 20 plus, 25. years. Yeah, yeah sure, sure, sure. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and nobody ever said, contacted me and said, hey, that's my idea. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. And I, think, and, and I looked around in uh, a couple of years later for, for that, uh, existence of that checkerboard calendar box in in London. I couldn't find anybody who was doing it still. So <laughs> there you go. So I just kept on doing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you think about the evolution? I guess of the townhouse because you, I mean, they're now not after the pandemic now, but since since nine the nineties. What do you think about the, the the evolution of the townhouse? If my grandparents are saying, "Don't go to the townhouse." <laughs> to to now what it is has become now yeah even from a booking perspective um because i know a lot, it, even some of my friends now are like well there's not really much going on at the townhouse anymore um what are your what are your thoughts when i say that just the evolution of the, of the, the well the evolution of live music uh has been uh, uh a difficult pill to swallow sure is is that um People don't people don't have the uh, the value of of going going out to see a live band that that became a um, that was from our bubble world right and uh, and our our bubble world that started in ninety one and went through and you know I think you know really until about 2014, 2015. Um, and then we had glimpses of it in the, in the last five years before the pandemic. Um, but it was, it was, it was fewer and far between when you get 200 people out to a show. Right. You know, it it just didn't happen anymore. Even, you know, we did stiff little fingers and got 186 tickets. Like we didn't even sell out stiff little fingers. Right. And, um, and that was, uh, and that was, it was really hard to to sell out the two hundred seat venue anymore. Um, and that was going back, you know, almost almost ten years. Mm. And it was because, uh, uh, I mean, it was it was because the entertainment industry changed in that um, uh, super festivals happened, uh, where a lot of People and this hurt all of the medium sized and small festivals as well. Is that, is that there was this great emphasis on going out to see live music every weekend in in the summer? You go out to see North, you go out to Northern Lights in July, and you go out to Summerfest in August, uh, and you know, and then there was something else there, were, and there was a couple of little things that, that would yeah. happen uh, uh, between. Uh, uh, La Nuit in March, and um, and then what was the big one? Or things fall. like a beer fest or rib fest, yeah. or like all these things. Or yeah. Is that still not well, that's, yet? That's uh, it's not even not even that. But then when when it became uh, uh, Oceaga Boots and Hearts, oh my gosh, yeah, those mega festivals. They're getting everybody whose entertainment budget was fifty dollars every weekend. Um, became uh, spending $2,000 once a summer. Right. And that meant that people, people, uh, the majority of people who 
uh, who that was their entertainment budget. Now they, they go out to Oceaga yeah, and course. blow their whole budget for the for the season. Yeah, on that big, seeing all of the bands at once. Yeah, and and then do you expect to go? To the the townhouse and see all of those bands from Oceania. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And it's like we can't get those bands because I can't. <laughs> yeah. I can't sell, you know, three hundred tickets at forty dollars a piece. Yeah. In order to get, um, you know, uh, I don't know who was one of the bands. You know, Mother 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 Mother's not going to come to ba- come sure. back to the townhouse because we had we had them when when you could pay them five hundred dollars. Right. And they were a great show. And right. We had them when you could pay them a thousand dollars. And I and I have a contract for Tegan and Sarah, right. you know, sure f- to play the townhouse and and uh, uh, and and then the agent calls me and says, uh, "We got a spot on Letterman. I'm sorry, we can't <laughs> we can't play." Sure, you know, with new single came came through and um, you know uh, uh, Nickelback. Oh my God, Nickelback! And and I and I feel weird about this because. You know, the agent calls me and says, "Hey, I got this band, uh, Nickelback. They're a rock band." I said, "Yeah, yeah, I saw them. They're from Tabor, Alberta. You know, like saw them last year." Okay, well, they got a single on the radio. We're gonna bring them through again. They're we're gonna put them, pair them up with Scratching Post, and and I said, "Okay, you know, whatever." But the single got at got added in in a span of me booking them to them arriving in Sudbury. they they got added to every radio station in Canada, and a, and a, you know it was like a, a fair amount of people came out to to see them to see them play. And yeah. So there, there's like say a hundred people in the bar, seventy people come up to me and say, "This is the worst band you've ever booked. Why would you do this to us?" <laughs> sure. And thirty people said, "This is the best. This is amazing." Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and and you know people were offended that we would have this at the townhouse. And they're the opening band for Scratching Post. They came, the agent put them on the bill. It's, I, I don't really have control over this. And, right. And we see them uh, hanging out with a bunch of suits in the afternoon because it turns out that they're working on this deal uh, for, for a record deal, a record label. Yeah. And, and the contracts are ready. So they say, okay, we'll, we'll fly up to Sudbury and we'll meet you. And, and and we'll sign the, sign all the papers and, and that. So they they say that they, you know publicly they, they oh yeah we signed our contracts at, at the townhouse in Sudbury. <laughs> so you you didn't what? get you didn't you didn't That's get wild. signed at the townhouse in Sudbury. Sure, you, sure. You signed contracts that sure. lo- lawyers had been working on for six months <laughs> at in, the townhouse at the townhouse yeah. in Sudbury. Wow. So it's not my fault. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm sorry. Chad, I'm sure you're, I'm <laughs> sure you're, you're a nice guy. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, that's great. Yeah. So a couple months later, I I I didn't even you know I I don't have my finger on the pulse of, of mass culture because I'm I want to know what's coming next. I want to yeah. know who's sure who's climbing the charts on the R three thirty, not who's climbing the Billboard charts. Right, 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 right. Um, and uh, and, and that night, and I was talking to to Jack at the agency group about about some summer festival stuff. And, uh, and, and I say, Oh, whatever happened to that Nickelback band? So, oh, cause, and I, and I, and I don't know if you're a Simpsons fan, but Simpsons fans know, know this is it. I don't want to say that they sucked, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and Jack is like, uh, yeah, they've been added to 
every radio station in the United States. They are in yeah. they are playing small arenas yeah. in the United States now for you know thirty thousand dollars a night. Yeah. And uh, and then twelve months later they're playing the Sudbury Arena. Sold sure, up, sure. Sold out the yeah. Sudbury Arena and 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 our friends, the the trues, yeah, were were opening for them and the guys, John Angus comes over and says, You gotta see this show. So he come over and come over. He gives me his lanyard. So just go over and watch watch the show. It's a, the the light show is is amazing, and uh, so I go and and yeah, the, the light show was amazing. <laughs> but they were still Nickelback. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. Is there? I have a question here, just brief. Yeah. Um, is, in regards to the townhouse, is there an act that got away, like an act that you again, sort of like a Tegan and Sarah? Yeah. That was like. I mean, Tegan and Sarah could be the one, but yeah. an act that was like you, you almost got them and it was like, well, the next week they were, yeah, the next week they were, they were the biggest thing. Yeah. yeah. Tegan and Sarah were, were, was one of those Sam Roberts. Oh yeah. Um, we had, we were going to do Sam Roberts for 150 bucks on a Tuesday night. Sure. And, uh, uh, and then I don't even remember why we didn't do it it was just i i mean i have this old calendar from uh from years years past like the booking calendar yeah that was, was scratched out and i and i look and i'm like sam, sam roberts 150 bucks and the name scratched out and then we did an acoustic show instead and i'm like oh man <laughs> sure, that's sure. too bad we missed that sure um uh I, yeah tegan and sarah that was a bit of a bummer i and i joked with the agent i said you're skipping me for Letterman. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll, yeah. yeah, Tegan and Sarah are never going to play the townhouse sure, now. Sure, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, they're probably not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, oh, oh, we tried uh, a couple of summers later um, after the uh, after the Everything is Awesome became a worldwide hit with the Lego movie. Yes, yeah. Um, we were going to do... Uh, Tegan and Sarah, we're going to do a handful of Canadian festivals. Yeah. And so we're going to split. Uh, this was always a good uh, positioning for, um, uh, for for Northern Lights is that we're, we're just far enough away to get, uh, no, we'll do a little bit of business speak here. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah to, of course. To escape radius clauses. Sure, yeah. Not for casinos. We can't we can't escape the radius clauses for, for casinos because they're usually a 500 kilometer right. radius clause. But, uh, a festival like Mariposa, um, right. uh, an event like uh, Montreal Jazz, uh, uh, Ottawa Blues, um, uh, Canada Day at uh, 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 Dominion uh, or uh, Capitol Hill, mm-hmm. um, the uh, the Canada Day at uh, the, um, uh, the the big uh, downtown square in Toronto, Young, Young Bloor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Either like yeah. Young Dundas Square. Yeah, or, yeah, Dundas Square. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so Sudbury is far enough away that we can we can uh, uh, we can be an extra gig on that week long. Sure. Yeah. You know, trip where yeah. where a group can can come through, um, hit Montreal Jazz, uh, maybe Canada Day on Parliament Hill, uh, uh, Mariposa, Northern Lights. And Young Dundas Square, and then five, six gigs, and you make, you know, yeah, yeah, you make the 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 worthwhile uh, costs of 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 getting your um, 
uh, band, uh, getting the band, gear, yeah, the all gear, that stuff. Renting the gear, renting a bus for mm-hmm. for, and we so Tegan and Sarah were going to hit that route, and uh, and we were close. All of the offers were in uh, from from all of the groups, and then uh, Lady Gaga ruined it. <laughs> because because she Lady Gaga was playing a, a couple of major festivals and it was like, okay, we're gonna go play these five gigs in Ontario, that you know in places that we that we didn't get to play bef- just before making it big. Now we're right. big. We're gonna go back and play these places that we should have played. Um, but Lady Gaga is going to offer us a couple of festivals where we're playing to 300,000 people. Sure, 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 sure. So like opening for Lady Gaga. Yeah, yeah, so they went and opened up for Lady Gaga for to play to 300,000 people. Wild. Yeah. So just moving on now to come back to the journey, Townhouse to Northern Lights. What was what was that like? Um, uh, Townhouse had become an off-site venue. For yeah. the Northern Lights Festival around the time that I started mm-hmm. uh, at the townhouse, and so we all we always had that relationship of, um, you know, we want a couple. We would go in in May and look at who Northern Lights had booked, and say, oh, we want that band, we want that band, and sure. Um, so the year that, uh, uh, well, let's see, Claude, uh, Claude booked the festival for those first years. And then a, 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 a man named Matt Barber, uh, not the songwriter Matt Barber, but uh, a jazz guitarist Matt Barber, um, booked the festival in, in 97, 98. Um, and, and we talked to him and then Eve Doyle in 99. Um, and I was I, I kind of on a committee that year. Yeah. Um, and Eve... Uh, uh, didn't uh, uh, they had a terrible uh, set of circumstances in '99, right? Where um, they didn't have they didn't have a technical director uh, in place, so a lot of confusion on on site and a lot of uh, a lot of input uh, um, unsolicited input from the board of directors. Okay. Which really is tough on an artistic director's vision. You and this is what I, I'll say to any artistic director is you gotta have that. You've got to have the vision to to uh, to meet them either meet the mandate or if you need to change the mandate, then you need to have the vision to go to the board of directors and and uh, appeal your constitution. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And cha- sure. if you if you want to change the mandate, but you can't just change the mandate because you because you want to. Right, right. Yeah, no, of course. You know, you a, a, a not-for-profit organization has has a mandate on the books and, and bylaws, policy, and the bylaws, set up bylaws, that, that, and and if you want to continue um, getting funding from your funders, your funders are funding you because you are a good at being that event. Right. Um, and sometimes board boards of directors get involved with with these uh, areas that you don't need to be involved with. And yeah. Then too many cooks in the kitchen make it uh, an unpleasant experience for an artistic director to feel like they've been able to execute a vision. Yeah. Of of because being an artistic director is um, is like being a musician is like being a painter is except that you're painting with a, a, a set of artists. That's your palette. Is I'm going to put this color here and this color here and this color there, and create a picture 
um, that becomes an artistic piece in itself. Right. So, so you're painting with art, and it's a wonderful feeling to have, and 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 a and a, um, and a and a power that you need to be aware of, uh, uh, so that you don't. Um, so, so that you don't step on other people's visions yep. um, or, or that other people understand what you're trying to do, why you're trying to fit them into this. Cause a lot of artists don't want to be fit into a hole or into a peg, into a, a, a spot. And, but you have to under, they have to understand what your vision is right? as well. Uh, so Eve didn't have a good time. Uh, as artistic director, he left in in the fall of '99, and I joined the board and became artistic director then. Um, and uh, initially, I went to become, you know, part. I said I want to be on the programming <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. programming committee. Yeah. And I walked out of the meeting as 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 oh, you're going to be our new artistic director. I'm like oh 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 wow yeah <laughs> wow I yeah. didn't know that. Did you know what that meant at the time? Um, no, <laughs> right, no, sure. no but. Uh, then, uh, the next, uh, the next year I went to the International Folk Alliance conference and, uh, sat down and spoke with many other artistic directors and, and had a great plane ride, uh, to Vancouver sitting in a seat next to Ken Whiteley, who, um, for people who don't know folk music, uh, Ken Whiteley is one of the preeminent players, producers, and and writers of the genre of modern Canadian folk music. Mm-hmm. Ken Whiteley is one of the one of the four voices on Barrett's Privateers with Stan Rogers. Sure, you yeah, know, it's like um, he's one of the people. He produced all of the Sharon Lois, or did he produce Sharon Lois and Brown? Was it no, no? It was Curly Boy Steps. Um, did that? Uh, uh, Ken Whiteley has produced a number of right. important yeah, yeah, records, yeah. and as a consummate player himself, an amazing player, produced everything that Jackie Washington ever did. Wow! And uh, and here, I, so I'm on a plane with with him, and I it's, he has my ear for for several hours yeah. of of saying. You know, you you know what I've always wanted to say to artistic directors. I'm like, tell me, tell me, it's, it's, it's everything, and um, you know. So he he talked uh, a great deal to me about um, about respecting artists the uh, the art the artist's vision of who they want to be as a performer, um, but also having to you know having to have my vision as as an artist as well. Yeah, and. Um, and how to negotiate uh, between the two and combine them to create something, something new, something visual, something, uh, uh, something new for a listening audience. Right. And, uh, and that's, you know, it's about uh, setting up workshops as well. That's in, right. And getting people to um, getting people to uh, putting people together and hoping that they're going to create uh, um, a new experience for the audience but also a new experience for for the artists themselves. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you about the workshops? I, I, for me, it was going to NLFB even as a kid. Yeah. It was always one of the most unique offerings at the festival for me. Um, was that was that something that was sort of there before you you, you came into the picture? Um, yes, uh, we program what is considered to be the uh, the Estelle Klein. Uh, 
uh, model of a folk festival. Okay. So Estelle Klein started programming the Mariposa Folk Festival in the mid-1960s. I'm not sure if she was the original uh, AD, but she took took it from, from its infancy to for the next 20 years. And she combined people into these workshops yeah. where where I'm going to have, I'm going to have a rock singer. I'm going to have a folk singer. I'm going to have somebody sing, you know, singing songs about trains, you know, or like I've got five people on my roster that sing songs about trains. I'm going to put them all together and see what happens. Right. Um, uh, I was uh, a big fan of the chemistry of uh, the, uh, uh, the, the Paul Simon Graceland album yeah. about taking music from around the world and mashing it up and seeing what happens. Yeah. So I had a wonderful folk singer named Penny Lang and a bunch of African uh, uh, drummers and, uh, and, and uh, indigenous uh, uh, singers from, uh, from Manitoulin. Mm-hmm. And I put them all in a workshop and see what happens. And yeah, and we, you know, created magical things. And, yeah. Uh, and another big thing that I love to do was, was take uh, uh, my... And, and I, I love roots music of all kind. I, and I think it's, uh, it's all, it's all punk because, uh, because it's just that punk in the 1890s happened with banjos and fiddles. Sure. And, and, and in the 1920s, it happened on a, on a, you know, a, a barrel house piano and, and, um, and that it's just, it's been played at different volumes and, and, but music is, has always been, either created for uh, for the court to please the king or it's been created to shout at the wall of the castle from outside. And that's the two kinds of music that, that you can make. Um, and uh, so I loved taking people, uh, like taking John Doe from, from the punk band X and putting them in a workshop with with uh, um, with with Rob Seaton from Statues, sure, you know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and see and see what these guys are going to do, or uh, or taking um, you know Dwayne uh, Trudeau is a young uh, uh, blues uh, player, slide blues guitar. I'm going to put him in a workshop with mm-hmm. with Colin Linden, one of the most prolific uh, uh, producers who, who produced. Um, uh, worked with T Bone Burnett on producing the Old Brother Where Art Thou music. There you go, yeah. And that <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put a local guy in there who's gonna show Colin Lennon a thing or two about playing Mississippi John Hurt songs, and and see what happens. And yeah. and uh, um, and it's gonna be yeah. You always want to uh, put people together that you think are gonna have good chemistry mm-hmm. create something new and, yeah and that, that's what i mean about painting with art no it's artists. it's a great it's you're great crea- you're, yeah. yeah you're creating an art project yeah. yeah do you do you do you know of ever any projects like recording projects that ever came out of those workshops or like uh like um maybe a yeah. a duo project of, of of two people that collaborated that started at mm. lfb uh, not my workshops, unfortunately, but, right. uh, certainly black in the rodeo Kings. Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah. Started from a, from a festival workshop. Yeah. Uh, and, um, uh, jazz group Manteca. Yeah, sure. Started, yeah. They, they started from, from a Northern lights workshop. Scott Merrifield basically created that band. Yeah. That's awesome. That's <laughs> um, awesome. 
and uh, and I'm not sure if uh, if Cano sprang sure. from from a festival workshop, but they, I mean, they were kind of the creation of the festival and the creation of Cano were were um, they, it was a symbiotic relationship. Sure, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. On that, so that's great. Yeah. Um, I've I've some things here. Any like challenges that you face in your in your channel that always like came up kind of thing or, or or a specific situation that you remember that was 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 challenging and that you learned like it, like something that like a lesson or something mm. from, from 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 early on that you maybe implemented later on kind of thing. Well, yeah, the, I mean, there's always there's always challenges of of uh, uh, I mean. Uh, people uh people that you that you that you pick that maybe um are are going to push uh some of the envelopes uh, a little bit further than you had suspected um but they were my picks so i have to you know i have to put up with the, the fff running around the festival grounds yes yeah. squirt, squirting people with, with squirt guns and, yeah and and uh and that and um, being told Friday afternoon to to shut them down and and then and then trying to make up excuses for the next two days about why I haven't talked to them yet. Um, sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, the, there was uh, uh, certainly uh, certainly I learned right early on second festival about um, about knowing uh, who your artists are and being careful about. Um, about the the demons that artists carry with them, so uh, you know we had uh, I picked up mm. at the airport and and there was um, there was a, a tucked and under the seat of the van there was a little uh, a little sample bottle of booze and one of the members of the band was not allowed to be near any booze. Sure, sure, and. Uh, uh, and I didn't, and I didn't know that, and I, and I didn't know at that time that that was. Um, sometimes that's a really important thing to to keep a measure on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, uh, and it, you know, it came back to bite me, um, and uh, I'm essentially was. Uh, I mean, I walked in the next morning to the hotel to take them back to the airport, and I was watching uh, a, a band have a meeting about breaking up. Um, you know. And well, like on people on the phone with lawyers, uh, uh, getting their payout to to leave the band, and well, and that okay. and and, uh, uh, and that was uh, you know something that I mean, is it my fault that that it happened? I I, I was an unfor, uh, unknowing contributor, right, 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 right. And I you know you you have to measure that, and you know a couple couple years later, then I realized. <laughs> that some of these artists get sent around with um uh I, I i learned to recognize what a handler was sure sure sure. so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, and that's a big thing in the entertainment industry is yes is if this person's got a handler you have to you have to respect what they need yeah 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 and yeah. Uh, and it's not just a matter of of whether or not they need vegan or halal food it's a it's a matter of of making sure that uh if a person asks you where a meeting is, that that's the information that artistic director has to have. Right. Is, is, is I would always know if, if, if somebody needed to go to a meeting the, uh, on Saturday morning, 
because they, they haven't been in an environment where uh, uh, for several months where there was uh, all this, this hectic social activity and people consuming alcohol and drugs and that if they need to go to a me- meeting, I need to find them a meeting. Right. Um, uh, you know, so, uh, and if, you know, and this is these are things that Estelle Klein would talk to us about at conferences. Sure. And and Richard Flohill, people who are the artistic directors of festivals in the '60s, and yeah. say, you need to know where uh, uh, you need to know a 24-hour dentist. Yeah. You need to know, uh, you know, you need to know if if uh, um, let's see, Richard Flohill had uh, Ella Fitzgerald show up for a concert and and say, I don't know. I have a thing in my throat, something's wrong. And, and he got at three o'clock in the morning, a, a, a short course of steroids to, to get a, a singer up and going for, for a concert at, well, the, at their permission, at, at their yes, you know, of course, ac- yeah. acceptance. And, and that um, in order to make, you know, make something happen and, and get, get through a concert. And, but you need to know, you know, some, how to do some shady things. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and have these uh, things in place as well. I think yeah. that's, that's, that's the, that's yeah. what I'm getting from this is as an artistic director, executive director, all these things need to come into play, come in, yeah. come to mind before yeah. even the festival happens. Yeah. You need, and yeah, you need to be able to settle, settle the emergencies. You need to yeah. be able to, uh, to to improvise mm-hmm. uh, as as well, like um, you know, somebody uh, something that you uh, that you overlooked on on the rider, and then and then you find out seven minutes before showtime that yeah. no, no, this wasn't something that you can overlook because because right, right. I would always have these conversations with with, with uh, uh, a lot of times I'd get a rider a, a thirty page rider. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and not just the, the, the technical rider is one thing. Yeah. Oh no, no. Te- it's technical hospitality yeah, is te- a huge thing. Yeah. Technical rider goes to go, uh, goes to the technical director and then your, and then your TD comes back to you and says, we need to get this PA, this system in order to fulfill all, all of these obligations. You say, okay, somebody got that. Good. We got that. Um, or rent this piano or right. rent this specific amplifier sure. or, um, that but hospitality stuff um, you need to be clear that uh, some of it's bogus some of it's there to make sure you are reading it right um, the 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 colored M&Ms you're right 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 yeah. right that's you know that's there to make sure you're reading the the the, the hospitality rider because the colored M&Ms might not have been so important but um the, uh, but the uh, something else about uh, uh, um, a, a medical allergy, sure, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's the important stuff that you need to yeah, yeah, to yeah. recognize and fulfill. Um, so I and I got good at that, and and never minded um, calling an agent and saying, "Okay, let's talk about this rider. I'm not getting you six pair of white socks." Sure, sure, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I am working 22 hours that day, right, at the festival site. Right. The artist is working for 45 minutes. Right, right. They sure. can go out in a cab, you know, and the, the artist is making $35,000 for that 45 minutes. Yeah. They've got money to go out in a cab and get some white socks if they need to. Right. You know, like I am not getting them white socks. Right, right. <laughs> As we wrap this up here, um, 
would you have uh, other than what we've been saying over the past maybe five to ten minutes do you have something that the tip or something that you'd want to say to aspiring art, art artistic directors for a festival something that you know other than looking at the hospitality yeah. rat, r- writer maybe it's more of a general thing maybe it's oh. a mindset thing or well it's always about uh, uh having a good team around yeah. you too um like uh uh like a good uh, artistic director is not going to be, uh, uh, is not going to have the impact that they can if they don't have a good executive director. If they mm-hmm. don't have, if they don't have somebody who um, uh, uh, plows the way for the board of directors to make sure that the board of directors isn't intervening, yeah, in in the artistic director's uh, vision, uh, but also to keep in check that they're that they're not going crazy, mm-hmm. uh, that. Uh, 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 but somebody who who will say you're you're off the rails on on this decision we can't do this um, and be honest with them about why they can't do it but also somebody who can say okay this is just crazy enough to work everybody else is going to be opposed to this I'll clear the way for you you know that's a good team mem- teammate to have yeah um, and uh, but also your your technical crew um, people who can, who understand why you're programming and you have to talk to your tech crew as well. Right. Because right. Some, sometimes the technical director is going to say, you can't have this band, this 12 piece band playing after this 12 piece band right. because we technically, it, it can't happen. Right. Um, or, or we have too many instruments to change over. Yeah. You can't do this with a seven minute break in between. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Sometimes, sometimes the technical director is going to speak so the sober truth yeah, 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 to yeah. you. Uh, so have that on, on, honest conversation, um, and uh, and you know and and listen to your TV uh, about uh, what's uh, what they know to be possible. Yeah, because um, at the yeah. end of the day, if it can't happen in time, then, then, then it can't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and whether or not you've told the artists <laughs> that they've got a forty minute set when they when they could actually have a, a 50 minute set because they could write two more songs onto their list yeah. or, or is that 45 minutes actually 30 minutes because they're going to have a changeover and, and an award presentation in the middle. <laughs> there you go. And, yeah, then, yeah. and then they get to, um, oh, these poor guys that, um, uh, the, uh, the, the, the beat, um, they, they get to the end of their, their set and, and the, the, stage hand is going that's it right it's like but they didn't play their big hit song yet sure 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 that's the that's at the end of the set and they said nope that's it oh, right no. right you know. right it's happened yeah. many times yep. and festival goers even now on, on on social media these fans are like well we didn't hear that song that we saw or heard on the radio or or, or saw yeah. on uh, or heard on social media and whatever yeah. and it's because they got cut yeah that that time and it's 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 it is what it is, but uh, ultimately, for the art scene, I think that um, um, big mega festivals have to go. I, I, I don't. I don't think that people should be spending all of their their budget for for a year. Yeah. You know, on, on one thing. On, on one thing. Sure. Going away for four days because then why 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 are we going to do Northern Lights and and River and Sky and 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 up here and and. Uh, um, and these great little festivals for for seven hundred people when we could do it be doing it for for five thousand people you right. know, at a, at a time and and 
club venues that only get 50 people out to a show, you know, we'd, yeah, yeah. we'd rather, we'd rather be able to get, you know, 50 people out on a Sunday afternoon and 200 on a Friday night. Right. Um, people need to have those, those budgets, but also people need to be consumers of, of, um, of arts and culture. And, uh, and I'm, I think that our biggest competition is not other arts and culture, but uh, our biggest competition is, is, is uh, apathy and video games and, and, and people who are going to uh, spend, you know, six hours, six hours a night on, on, a, on a multiplayer game with uh, uh, headphones and stuck on a screen, not interacting with, with the real world at all. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. There, um, there's, there's way more competition than, than the, uh, the other venue now, yeah. you know? Yeah. There, it's it's so much the, the, the other, streaming platform Netflix, uh, you know, yeah, uh, going to see like sports even all these things are, are direct competition to, yeah. to 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 venues and live music now and it, and, and the, the the landscape is is ever changing. Yeah. Um. So I did live music for presented live music for for twenty eight almost thirty years, mm-hmm. uh, including the radio station. Um. And uh, and I and I haven't been presenting live music now for a couple of years. And, yes, and it's uh, driving me a little bit. Uh, uh, it's a big piece of my life that I'm missing. So mm. I'm, you know, I I have been talking to friends and talking to my co my co owner here um, at uh, uh, Shoe on the Nipissing and yep. and saying that starting next uh, next August August twenty fourth twenty twenty four. Uh, we were going to have the, uh, I, I, I pitched it as the world's smallest folk festival. Yeah. <laughs> but, there you go. uh, but we're going to, st- yeah, we're going to start presenting music here on the ground. Well, wow. starting, that's great. starting next year. And yeah, and I was going to ask you what the dream is for, for shoe swap and, and for you, what's the next adventure, but that's, that seems like that's sort of yep. what's next. Yeah. I'm going to set up my little, uh, general store stage. Uh, and then we've got a big deck at one of the cabins and a, and a nice big lawn in front of it so we're gonna you know sell a couple hundred tickets and that's have great eight ten acts uh over a, a day and a half and yeah and uh and hopefully something down at the waterfront too because we've got a great little pergola down at the waterfront and and it's uh it's real pretty when it's lit up at yeah. night and yeah yeah amazing and that so uh great. yeah so gonna <laughs> continue and and i'm con- continuing to play music with with yes. uh with Sudbury groups that i've been yeah, with yeah. for a long time the memphis uh northern memphis revival and um uh the whiskey river blues band and uh uh and hope to one day get off my uh get out of my 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 head and write some more songs and, yeah sure and you know maybe even go play them with the old uh with the old the old band that uh that we played with for many, many years before. That's so. right. And meanwhile, you got these cats as well. So uh, all they're, set. I, I, <laughs> yeah. They're great sources of entertainment. Yeah. And, yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. It's thanks, uh, we, we've hit, we've hit our time here. Um, thanks for everybody for listening. Um, you know, Paul was definitely recommended so many times. Um, just even talking to people in Sudbury on having on talking about the cultural explosion of, of, of Sudbury. Um, from both a venue's perspective, but also just an art scene uh, in general. So thanks for thanks for being on, Paul. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we'll see you next week. Stay safe and uh, keep interacting. We love we we love it all. <laughs>